Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. GDIY 20 at checkout to save 20%. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. The dog goes out and in my mind does not come back until it has a duck. That's what right looks like to me. Do you have trouble physically making it through long hunts? Is your dog always giving you that angry look telling you to keep up? You train your dog, but now it's time to train yourself. Rocky Mountain Hunt Strong is the company for any hunter that is looking for an effective fitness routine to get healthier and be able to hunt longer and harder. This company has merged fitness and the passion of hunting to help people like you and me continue to do what we love. From the Rockies to the Smokies and every field or prairie in between, this company can get you ready to go longer, cover more ground, and recover quicker. Go to RockyMountainHuntStrong.com and see their program for yourself. Use the discount code GDIY to save 15% and get to work. Train harder, hunt stronger, and recover faster. All right, everybody. We are searching for ducks this week. Adam, tell everybody what we, uh, we're talking about. Well, we're talking about all the different methods of duck search and how to train for it. Um, like we always say, you might not be someone that's into the versatile gun dog world, but uh, there's still a little nugget you might uh, take away from it. Absolutely. And I'm just going to rephrase one part of what you just said. You said that we cover all the methods. Oh, yeah. We're true. covering <laughs> all the methods that we're familiar with. Yeah, that's uh, a great point. It's, we impo- can't. it's impossible to cover every method. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we do get feedback on some of the episodes, especially, you know, when we first started, we were covering a lot of different ways to do one thing. Somebody, oh, you didn't cover this. You didn't cover that. Well, we've heard of it, but we haven't actually seen it in practice in right. person. So we're not we're not going to try and cover too much stuff that we're completely unfamiliar with. But we're throwing throwing everything uh, out there just so that you kind of get a picture of what yep. other options are available yeah. to you. We covered a few of the many options available yes, to do uh, duck search. And uh, something that 
I was talking to to Ken the other day and and he said he always picks up on little things throughout our episodes and he said I'd never used the the reverse tape method on a on a duck so I I started using that so you're not damaging as many feathers and we yeah. explained that method during the episode um he said but I've improved on your method I tried your <laughs> method and I've improved on it so he runs tape on on the wings and over the back of the duck sticky side towards the duck then twists the roll of tape so that it's non-sticky side to the breast feathers. Gotcha. Um, See, that's a perfect yep. example. The teacher becomes a student just to become the teacher again. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's why we love sharing this stuff because, I mean, I've gotten feedback from the listeners to where they're like, hey, you said this. That's a great idea. Have you ever thought about doing that? And I'm like, well, now I have. Thank you. Yep. If uh, we're all humble enough to uh, acknowledge someone else's idea and then – you know, it gives us all the ability to improve on it and, and learn more and learn it, from each other. Exactly. And this, this episode, you know, we, we tell you what we've used personally. We, we, but we try and give everybody's approach to it, the pros and cons of everything. We even offer the cons of our own personal ways of doing this. Uh, there's a million ways to, to do a duck search, but it's, you know, you'll, you'll hear in the episode that it, I've seen every one of these methods be successful depending on the person as well as their dog. So it's we're not saying that one way is better than the other. And if we exclude your method, don't take it personal. We we just didn't have it on the list to cover. If there is something we, we miss, it's a, a great one to cover. Please let us know. Yep, hit us up and uh, and let us know. And that, that way as we... As we develop more content, we can add that in the next time we talk about duck search. You know, exactly. so please share your method with us, uh, and more importantly than putting it out on the podcast, maybe we can go give it a try, and, and we'll have a new way to do duck search. Yep. So, from last week's intro, did we decide are we keeping this segment called Life Advice with Adam or Grill and Gunny? I don't know, man. If you got any questions, I mean, <laughs> I'll answer them. <laughs> I like. Let's stick with life advice with Adam. Life advice with Adam. Yeah, I like that better. So we got this one in. Uh, John wrote in. He said, do you always just take a person hunting before you decide if they're going to be a good hunting partner or not? Or do you kind of weed them out before you go hunting with them? (laughs) That's a a tough question because I think we have to take new hunters – so that we have more interest in hunting and we keep the sport, if you want to call it that, keep the keep the sport alive. So it's important to involve new people in hunting. But selfishly, I do not want to ruin my hunting experience <laughs> by taking someone that I may not See, enjoy I hunting with. with. Yeah. So yeah, I try to try to feel somebody out before I take them hunting. Well, expand That's, on that. Give me give me your top three things that you consider when somebody asks, "Hey, will you take me hunting?" Well, I just got to get along with them yeah. for starters. I mean, if you get along with the person and, and you have some similar views on things, I think it's easy to spend time with them. And and part of that is enjoying being around the person. So Absolutely. going bird hunting, part of it for me is spending time with other people that I, that I enjoy being around. So got to get along, number one, mm-hmm. and got to be able to, to have a good conversation with them. These aren't like requirements but you know it's desirable yep safety if i if i've got to throw a third one in if they're dangerous with guns and you know <laughs> yep. the uh, obvious yeah yeah all right well 
that concludes uh, life advice with Adam. That's, Quick and that's, easy. That's good advice. So <laughs> we'll get to the episode. Hopefully somebody picks something up. Again, critique, shoot them to us. Gundog at yourself at gmail.com. Please check out our Facebook and Instagram. Gundog at yourself. Uh, please hit up our Patreon if you want to support us. Patreon.com forward slash Gundog at yourself. We're more than, we're almost three quarters of the way to the Gunner kennel giveaway also you want a better discount code to conkies be sure to check that out so uh anything else am i missing something that's it man let's start searching all right enjoy there's always something to debate or argue in the dog world but there's this one thing that's not up for debate all hunters and dog hunters know you need the right gear not just for yourself but for your dogs as well Conkeys Outdoors Hound and Hunting Supply is your number one source for all things hound related. Conkeys is owned and operated by true houndsmen themselves. They've got you covered no matter the game you're chasing from hog hunting, bear hunting, and even gator hunting. Bird dog guys don't feel left out either. They have whatever you need, whether it's training collars, tracking collars, boots, chaps, vests, coats, and more. No matter what you and your dog needs to have a successful hunt, check out ConkeysOutdoors.com and they'll get you on the right track. Purchases over $100 gets you free shipping and enter GDIY5 to save 5%. And if you're a Patreon patron, you get to save even more money. So be sure to check out Conkey's Outdoors. If you're currently in the market for a kennel, then be sure to check out Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels is the only kennel that's five-star crash rated from the Center for Pet Safety. The double wall rotomodal construction ensures it holds up in all types of weather and conditions. Also, Gunner Kennels has a lifetime warranty. These kennels are built to last a lifetime and Gunner stands behind that. Gunner also has all the accessories you can need from fan kits to help keep them cool, performance and orthopedic pads to help keep them comfortable and ready to go after long travels, and even tie down straps to help ensure there's no worries for the kennel moving or sliding around in your truck. So if you need man's best kennel for man's best friend, head on over to gundogityourself.com and click on the Gunner link. Be sure to purchase your kennel, accessories, and even gift cards for holidays and birthdays through our link and it will go a long way in helping out the podcast. All right, Adam, we're searching for ducks today. <laughs> good deal, man. Always love a good duck search. <laughs> Absolutely. So there's really nowhere else to start with this besides why do this for sure i uh, mean why do a duck duck search yeah it's the purpose of it is to recover wounded wounded game in the water uh but you're also testing the dog's independence and in, endurance and desire to work yep absolutely and uh, and a lot of people especially the retriever side that aren't involved with navda we've talked a million times you know the handling versus independent search each has their pros each has their cons talked about like the ideal dog is a dog that'll take some direction and then you can give them the hunt them up search command whatever the heck it is and they'll use their that thing on the end of their face that allows them to find the birds a lot better than we can just micromanage them to it but uh you know i tell everybody this is probably when you talk to a lot of people that are first getting involved in NAVDA or kind of testing the water so ut test uh, the duck search is probably the hardest thing for them to wrap their heads around, and it's really not until they see consistent good duck searches from some dogs 
to where they start really understanding what it's about. And then it really doesn't take place until they're in a hunting scenario and they see a good duck search provide a duck that they, Oh, the light bulb goes off on it. And again, you acknowledge that the retriever folks, you know, there's a, there's a place for hand signals, but there's also a place for just letting the dog naturally find the wounded game. So, you know, the middle ground for the sake of, uh, the utility of hunting is something that, that I'm interested in. Uh, I don't think either one is exactly perfect, but for the sake of this, you know, this portion of the utility test in NAVDA, we have to understand why we're doing it. And we kind of covered that, but, uh, when a retriever person sees a duck search, it drives them crazy. They're like, (laughs) the dog just went the other way of the duck. Okay. Well, the dog doesn't see the duck and it doesn't smell the duck. We're going to let this play out. And that's the case where it would be nice to blow a whistle, give it a right over command. And, and then it's, and then you let the dog use its nose. Yep. I think, I think there's concerns on both sides and, and really what I think everybody should be after is kind of a mixture of both. Uh, that that's the ideal situation that we may, may never get to with our own personal dogs. But in theory, that's, uh, that's what I would say that I would want if I could just pluck it out and and have it is being able to guide them in a spot and then independently search but we're not worried about handling or guiding them to a spot because today we're talking about the duck search and more specifically the navda duck search uh the german side the german testing has their own type of duck search and uh neither one of us have actually tested that we've talked to numerous people that that do it and i've helped a few people kind of do it but i don't know the specifics on it so you know i know it, it's similar in a lot of ways but i do know they kind of start off a little closer to where you're sending the dogs and so uh you know as opposed to the dogs searching out the scent and finding it it's it kind of turns into more of a duck track and water type of thing but uh again we're we're not experiencing that so we're not really speaking to that today it's more about the nabda duck search Absolutely. So with that being said, go ahead and Nick, uh, why don't you with the aim, you got the Ames book open here. Um, you don't have to read the whole thing, but if you could just (laughs) summarize it for us, how NAVDA defines the duck search and and everything they have to say about about a full page. I'm just going to kind of blow through this just so that everybody gets it direct from the Ames book. And, and then we'll kind of expound on it here in a second. So, uh, the Ames book, the, the search for a duck on the utility test, it's, it's defined as it's a test of the dog's ability to locate wounded waterfowl. It tests use of nose, cooperation, desire, obedience, and stamina of significance is the fact that it places a dog in an environment where the handler often cannot physically follow the dog or even see the actual situation, thus requiring the animal to rely on its own initiative and intelligence and in going about the task independently. That's the key word. A dog that must depend entirely on signals from the handler to locate the game is unsatisfactory in this scenario. So when you're getting into this, the Ames also goes on to qualify the the type of area that they're hunting. It's a, it's a ponder marsh. It has to be at least one acre with sufficient vegetation to allow the duck to get out of sight. So you're looking for cover. Uh portions of the area has to be swimming depth for a dog so you can't just have a dog running through and touching ground and all that um let's see here and then 
It essentially goes, each dog is allowed approximately 10 minutes to search out for the duck. It does not have to find the duck. No retrieve of the duck is required. If the opportunity for a retrieve occurs, such as a duck being caught or shot, the retrieve must be successfully completed. So you're being graded on a retrieve if there happens to be one, but you do not have to have a retrieve of duck. And that's a, that's a key factor in this because a lot of people think that the dog has to find the duck on the test. It's not true. And uh, let me provide a caveat to the 10 minute thing there. It's, I was speaking to a judge the other day. They're not necessarily looking at their watch. That's a general rule. If they see yeah. what they need to see in like eight minutes, they might tell you that that's enough. Right. They also might say, keep on searching. So don't, don't train for 10 minutes, train for like 30 minutes. And then, <laughs> and then yeah. that makes 10 to 15 minutes yep. easier. So they'll throw out a duck into the pond uh, a judge will indicate to the handler the direction in which the dog is to be sent the dog should remain quietly at the handler's side until commanded to retrieve the handler will fire one blank shot over the water and send the dog from then on it's desirable that the handler interfere as little as possible with the dog's search uh let's see here if the scent is lost, the dog should not mill around aimlessly at the spot, but should start a systematic search to relocate the scent. So expand the search. They shouldn't just be caught in one yep. area. Just because they're looking in a little 10-minute vicinity, that's not a duck search. And that's where the desire comes in. If if the dog loses the scent, you, know, you don't want to see the dog give up, basically. Yep. You want to see the dog start to expand its search and and trying to recover the wounded game. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, this is just me skimming through the Ames book, but pretty much what I just said is straight from it. The only thing that I'm sure it's in here that I'm just not seeing is uh, you only have a blank shot on the first end. If you get a retrieve of duck or the judges, you know, the dog won't go out and the judge asks you to do recent, you do not get another gunshot uh, on the recent so it's important to practice that recent without a gunshot and i think the reason we don't see a second shot in here is because we don't see resend mentioned in here so yeah the idea is that your dog goes out and completes the task without coming back so if your dog does come back and is kind of milling around the sending area or not searching very far they might tell you to resend your dog um and that's why it's not mentioned there is because yeah. that's not the task. Um, exactly. If the dog does recover it, though, and it's only been three minutes, they're going to ask you to resend the dog again. And, and in that case, there will not be another shot fired either. Right. And so in conclusion with the aims, and we'll close it, close it out for the rest of this podcast and we'll just give our thoughts and opinions uh the test is concluded when the judges have seen enough to render fair judgment as to whether or not the dog uses its nose desire perseverance intelligence and sense of cooperation to the extent that under normal hunting conditions the game would be brought to bag it is emphasizes that this is an exercise in searching and is not a chase if the duck is retrieved in too short of a time to make a proper judgment of the search the handler will be asked to send the dog again without a shot being fired or another duck being released so there it is there that's it is. Yep. where we weren't seeing it before yep but so that's the aims in a very uh, quick summary just because i don't think anybody wanted to listen to me verbatim read uh read a that page, was, that page was long, long enough yeah it was long <laughs> enough so in other words uh that's the aims deal 
let's define, we kind of just did it from the Ames book. Let's define how the average person may understand and how we see a good duck search. All right. So, I mean, really straight from the rule book right there, uh, <laughs> the, the dog goes out and in my mind does not come back until it has a duck. That's what right looks like to me. Yeah. And sometimes that can be 30 minutes. Yep. Very easily 30 minutes the dog is out there searching. Um, and that seems like a long time for a dog to be swimming. Again, I was I was doing a duck search in front of uh, a lady that does a lot of retriever work. She professionally trains. She's actually letting us use her pond for duck search right now. And she's like, your dog's going to get tired. You know, and it was like 12 to 15 minutes in. I'm like, no, nah, he's good. You know, yep. um, if he can run that long in the field, he can definitely swim that long. I think swimming is harder, but they're in the water. They're cooled down. So when you hear me say 30 minutes, you know, don't freak out. That's not a crazy amount of time. But what does right look like in my mind? The dog goes out and stays gone until it finds a duck. Yeah. And that that's kind of where I'm at. I don't really, I'll put a watch on it as I'm starting and building, just kind of know and gauge where we're at. But I don't really consider myself done training duck search until I can consistently send that dog and either they're finding a duck or they stay out until I call them back, whether that's 20 or 30 minutes. Uh, so like you said, it's approximately 10 minutes long. If you train just for 10 minutes, the dog's, you know, over time, we'll figure it out. You, you know, if you're on the test and it's 12, 13 minutes, maybe that dog comes back to you and you don't need it to train, you know, train hard, test easy. That's it. Yep. So there are, when it comes to duck search, there's, there's a lot of common topics of discussion that I've uh, come to realize over the, over the years that I've been involved in this. And uh, I guess the first one that we can talk about, I mean, you've gone back and forth on this a number of times. We could do an entire episode on each one of our thoughts on it. So let's briefly describe <laughs> command selection when it comes to the duck search. Yep. So my thought, is, and we'll, you'll hear about this method more in, in detail, but, you know, I was taught to extend force fetch into a duck search which is we're kind of classifying that as its own method um so for me i use the command fetch when i come up to the water uh the downside to saying that is someone's like well they might they might fetch a stick you know my <laughs> my counter argument is like then don't ever let your dog you know don't ever throw sticks for your dog to retrieve or <laughs> don't use random sticks during force fetch and they won't try to bring you a stick maybe yep. um you know, I like the idea of, of having a different command, but for me, I was already in the middle of doing force fetch and, or not force fetch, but extending force fetch into duck search. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not changing my yeah. command at this point. I don't even know if he can hear the difference in search and fetch anyways. They sound really similar. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that was briefly summed up by you because we've talked about it numerous times. And like yeah. when I first started dealing with duck search, I did the same thing. I, I thought of it as, well, it's just an extended duck retrieve, right? What's right. a retrieve? Fetch. So I started off with fetch and I, you know, I've talked about it over a, a few episodes. I don't know which ones way back when, uh, Rachel wasn't catching on. And it wasn't until I switched to a completely different command because when I was telling her fetch, she would go out, not find it, and then come right back. Right. 
And it wasn't until I switched it up to search. And then I got to thinking like, well, like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, the ideal situation is I can guide a dog to a certain area and then have a command to tell them to hunt it up. Uh, to me, that makes sense to be able to, you know, guide them and then have a, a search or hunt command. But it's really up to you. I, you know, there's plenty of people that just add the word dead to in the front of the fetch. Uh, you know, some people, I've seen some people not even have a verbal command. They just, you know, tap their dog on the, the head. It, it's, it's personal preference. Uh, figure out your why, what makes sense to you, what yep. works for you. Uh, me and Adam can literally debate this on an entire episode. So we're going <laughs> to, we're going to purposely like kind of keep this part short because yeah. me and him will both start arguing about this one just between ourselves. It's a, it's a fun topic we like to go back to and, and argue with each other on. Yep. So the next one you hear a lot, a lot of people, not so much anymore. When I first got into this, I heard it a lot more, but you still hear it every now and again. Uh, only use live ducks when doing duck search. So this is kind of the the live versus dead versus bumpers discussion. What are your thoughts on that? I agree with the only use live, and this is another one that you and I could debate for a while. Um, but just because I like that theory, it doesn't mean that I think the other theories are wrong. Just like with the command selection, I see the value in having a separate command and I might do it on my next dog. I might not. You know, I got some time. See, to he's think already about going it. back to the command already. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just to just to relate it. Uh, you know, I want the dog when I bring him up to the edge of the water to be excited to know that there's a live duck out there. But that has to do with the way that I taught duck search. Yeah. So, if I mean the the bumper method, you used bumper method in the backyard with. Rachel alert, man. And it and it works. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've already talked about that yeah. in a previous no. episode, but so I, I there are methods that work. Uh that is that is what I think works. I want the dog to think there's a live duck. I want the dog to know there's a live duck every Absolutely. time I bring him up. And and here's here's my take on it. Live ducks. Absolutely that's priority number one. Like that is your first choice. If you have the capability and the option to do live ducks. If you ignore a live duck for a bumper or a dead duck, yeah. you know, something else is wrong. It's not an issue of live versus dead. It's probably, you know, maybe your duck, your dog is skittish of live ducks and your baby stepping it up. Yep. But I never, I never forego the live duck in favor of the bumpers and dead ducks, but not everybody has access to live ducks. Sure. Not everybody has access to an area or management area or public ground that allows you to use live ducks. And, you know, like we always say, if the only training you're doing is once a month at training day, you have to figure out something. And so I'm not going to forego training on duck search and it take, you know, a year or two to train duck search as opposed to going out there and making it work with the bumpers or a dead duck, you know, you kind of have to make do with what you got. But that being said, clearly, obviously the live duck is, is better. It's a better option all the time if you can do it. Yep. Yeah. makes sense to me. Absolutely. Uh, and you kind of touched on this just a second ago, uh, the timing of when to train duck search. 
you you go from forge fetch into duck search. I did, but it's not like you know we've talked about this on previous episodes. I've learned a lot more talking to more knowledgeable trainers. The go before woes focus on duck search and get a consistent duck search before doing steadiness. I did duck search at the same time as steadiness, so I kind of went from force fetch into duck search, but mm-hmm. I was also training other things. It my choice now would, if I could change it, is go back and only focus on the duck search. Uh, it didn't hurt my duck search, but it hurt my steadiness in the field. Sure. Uh, but for that, I mean, get through the NA test, knock out force fetch, and then worry about duck search. Don't worry about duck search if you have a 10-month-old pup and it's before their first hunting season and you haven't done force fetch and you haven't done the NA test if you're going to. Uh, you know, there, there's no rush on it. But, you know, get to it after force fetch. Yeah, and I've seen people send their dog for a duck search while they're in the middle of a force fetch program. And, you know, my question is like, well, what do you do when the dog finds the duck? You know, hope that it brings it back. What if it just sits out there? What if it takes it to the other bank and rips it to shreds? Not a tragedy. Like, could you fix that once you're done with force Mm -hmm. fetch? Sure, you can fix it. But... I would argue that if you're in the middle of a force fetch program, that's probably eating up most of your time anyways. And yep. the only reason you're working on a duck search right now is because of the opportunity. Like you're at an AVDA training day and other people are doing duck search. It's boring to go up to your tailgate and like <laughs> pinch your dog's ear and stick a bumper in its mouth. Yep. So you want to go you know do what? something. <laughs> Let me use a different example because we always use ear pinch when it's related to force fetch. It's boring to go up and do hold and carry with your dog uh, <laughs> rather than, than go do watch your dog stuff. really perform, right? Yeah. So I understand why people do it, but it, it doesn't necessarily make sense to me. I mean, it's I don't want to get on too much of a tangent, <laughs> but it's the same reason that people show up and they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my dog today, but I bought three birds. Okay, well, why didn't you bring three bumpers? Like... What's if to you have say no that, idea what, what you're doing? Yeah, what's yeah. to say that the next thing you need to work on is birds because yeah. because it's a bird dog, right? So it's not like I'm just making fun of those people. They just don't know, and we've all been in that situation before. Mm-hmm. But the point I'm making is slow down and think about what you're doing and like where you're at in your pathway towards what your goal is. Well, uh, the perfect example, you know, not to hype you up too much. I don't like you get Give your me big fired head. up, man. You know, when you, oh, no, don't get me, don't do that. <laughs> when, when you, when you first moved down here and we started training together, you know, we didn't know each other very well, but you were finishing up force fetch and you were going into duck search and you came along and you tagged along, helped train and planting birds and stuff, but you weren't ever doing anything with Mitch when you came along. Right. And our duck search water is an hour and a half away from home. Yep. And your first few steps was literally just throwing a live duck out there. So it's like you were driving an hour and a half down there for a five second live duck intro essentially. After and we drove being down done. And watched everyone else do <laughs> bird stuff. But yeah, it's ridiculous. But that's how regimented my I work I don't want to say everything I do is that regimented, but with dog training, I'm like, okay, what step am I on right now? Well, I've done a a retrieve on land with a live duck. The next step is to do it at the water. Yeah. So that's my step today. I'm not working on duck search. I'm not working on pointing. I'm not working on steadiness. What's the objective? Yeah. The objective becomes very clearly defined. Yeah. And it just, yeah, it kind of sucks sometimes to have to drive a couple hours to do that, but 
you get to watch other dogs work and yeah. you still learn. I mean, absolutely. Go help out, you know? Absolutely. Uh, so real quick, uh, describe everybody, uh, tethering a duck or, uh, just taping up a duck. You know, there, there's a few different ways yeah. of doing this. Yeah. So <laughs> it's funny again, when, when people that aren't NAVDA folks, or if they're brand new to NAVDA, they see us putting tape around a duck, around a duck's bill, around a duck's feet, uh, tying like orange flagging tape and basically anchoring it out like a decoy. Uh, we do a lot of crazy things to ducks, yeah. but each one of them has a reason that we're doing it. We tape up the duck so that it can't fly away. Uh, we can pull flight feathers and accomplish the same thing, but if your dog is just transitioning into getting used to those ducks, then you may not want yeah. a feather flapping in so, its face. So to kind of make this more direct, I'm just yeah. going to kind of run down maybe maybe you can skip a step on this but mm -hmm. just from the very i'm working duck search what's the first yep. thing obviously so let's just say duck exposure you have your first live duck with mm -hmm. your with your uh dog maybe you need to tape the entire body so i suggest taking some duct tape and putting it sticky side out and wrapping it around the duck and then put sticky side down over the top of that because then you can reuse the duck later and, and it's not pulling feathers out and everything yep. uh tape up the feet real quick just a just a quick just take their web feet tape up and why and are you it, taping the feet uh because it makes it harder for them to swim okay okay and then you have the wings taped up if you have the feet and the wings taped up they can't dive on the dog right you know for sure that he's going to catch it but say this is your dog's first interaction with a live duck believe it or not doug some ducks They'll bite your dog. Yep. <laughs> and if you have maybe not the most driven dog, may, maybe you want to put a quick little piece of tape on, on the duck bill. Again, this is just intro level. Even if it's really driven, uh, you know, not good if your dog's receiving an ear pinch from a duck as it's already <laughs> got it in its mouth. It's kind of counterproductive. So, Well, unless you train force fetch with ear pinch and then a duck's doing you a favor. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's already in the in the dog's mouth and it's still yep. pinching away yeah. on its ear. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, that's just very basic intro level. And then, you know, you, you, you step it up by taking away the tape. So maybe on the next one, you leave one wing out and you still do the body tape and feet, but you get that little interaction with the flapping wing you know and uh get a little bit more excitement and then maybe you go away with the body tape and you just pull the flight feathers beware so you know ducks can still dive with their feet taped a lot yep. of people think just because you tape the feet they can't dive they can use their wings underwater absolutely and then you know when you when you're really stepping it up and you want to really just fine-tune what it's going to be like on test day you don't have any tape you just pull the flight feathers and let it rip just throw it out there and and then uh, to your point, surveyor's tape is uh, when you're training this um, comes in handy because you can tether it to a branch, you can anchor it with a rock, you can you can really refine where that duck is. You can yeah. pick the spot, you can put it exactly where you're at, and the surveyor's tape is strong enough to hold the duck there, but it's weak enough that when the dog grabs the duck. It's gonna the surveyor tape's gonna rip on the way back. Yeah, that's a cool trick you guys showed me when I moved down here, and it, it makes a lot of sense to be able to put the duck where you want. Um, you know, you're creating a training scenario. You don't want the the duck to just be able to swim off, yeah, uh, and not be out there because we do want the dog to find the duck. Yeah, um, 
little bit you of know, a PSA if you use surveyor's tape. Don't be that jack wagon that leaves all the surveyor's tape out there. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I go to Duck Search Water and there's a surveyor's tape just hanging all over the place. And buy the cheap stuff so that it breaks easily when the dog yep. grabs the duck. I, I learned that the hard way. Absolutely. Um, so with all the taping and everything, there's also, like you were saying, Nick, there's also a place to only pull the flight feathers on one side and basically let her rip. Uh, I think it's important to introduce the dog to ducks when it is taped up, like introduce them how yeah. to hold it like that in the yard. Um, but one, if you're really trying to build the drive in the dog, that's when you really get a lot of chase because the duck is yeah. capable of getting away a lot better when it's not all taped up. So yeah. it still can't fly away. Uh, you're going to get a lot of chase. It simulates a wounded duck. But uh, I've seen a lot of dogs without drive, even in the field, come through after a good, long, extended 20-minute duck chase of a duck just diving yeah. under them back and forth. And it's not, you know, after the first two minutes of you watching, it's like, hey, my duck's, dog's chasing a duck. Yeah. And then 10 minutes later, it's like, oh, my dog's still chasing that duck. Right. <laughs> but it, it will fire a dog up. It does. Keep in mind what Nick read from the, the Ames book at the beginning, that the purpose of duck search is not to get a duck chase. So... That's, you know, it's a good way to build drive, but I like to train so that the dog can actually get the duck yeah. and it doesn't take 10 minutes to get to it <laughs> and then can bring it back and I can yeah. resend it. The chase is a good tool if you need to fire a dog up, yep. you know, increase that drive. But if your dog has a drive and, you know, you're kind of finishing up some, some of the duck search and getting ready for the test, uh, you don't need to let it do a 30 minute chase. Uh, it, you're focusing more on the search, but, uh, so real quick, uh, ideal duck search water, describe that real quick. Uh, well, the book, uh, the book says, uh, I think one, at least one acre and it's got to have vegetation and stuff like that. Uh, you know, one acre, it could be really skinny and long. I think it needs to be, uh, ideally larger than an acre, like yeah. two to three acres is ideal. And if it's more of a circular shape, that's kind of nice because if it's just long and skinny, you know, the dog can basically run, run across the and then run the bank so, or swim across and run the bank. So uh, two to three acres is really nice. If it's got lily pads, if it has, you know, dead trees, if it's got islands, a lot of objectives out there yeah. are really nice. If it's just a clear pond that you can see across, well, the dog can basically search the pond with its eyeballs yeah. from one bank to the other. So you need vegetation and objectives where the duck is able to hide. Yep. Think duck hunting. If you'll duck hunt it, then it might make duck, good duck search. That's water. right. But just because it's a body of water doesn't make it a good duck search, but you have to do with what you have. If all you have is an open pond, Hey, I've seen people get pretty creative with pallets and barrels and make their own <laughs> objectives. Uh, so, Let's go ahead and get into the methods. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So as you know, we've done a bunch of episodes to where we cover a bunch of different methods. Maybe we've done them ourselves. Maybe we haven't. We're giving you as many methods as we know about and can somewhat describe, you know, comfortably for us. Uh, and then it's up to you to decide whether you like it or dislike it. We're going to go through a few methods and we're going to give 
how we understand it and our thoughts, the pros and cons to each one. Okay. We're not saying one is right over the other. We're going to tell you what we used and go from there. So if we say something bad about your method, you know, don't get offended. Yeah. Stick around and listen to the other <laughs> methods and you know, the idea is we learn something along the way. Yeah. The first one, and this is probably the most common one that I've seen since I've been here that I've seen a lot of people using, uh, especially starting out, is the kayak method. Yep. So the thought is, well, there's there's a couple different ways I've seen it used. Uh, the way that I like is you send the dog, and if it looks like it's going to come back to you, you hop in your kayak or other water vessel of choice and and basically assist the dog. Like, let the dog know that coming back to you to the land is not what you want. Right. So you're going to go out into the water with the dog. I mean, you could even walk out there if it's, <laughs> if it's uh, not too deep. You know, you could put waders on and walk out there. Yeah. But that's the thought is you're communicating to the dog. I do not want you to come back here to the bank. I told you to fetch search dead find it whatever your command is and you need to stay out here until you find it downside is again, well, that, we're not yeah, on right. downside yet all right go ahead so yes that's primarily the way i've seen it done yep. is you have the kayak ready to go and you you jump in it if the dog starts coming back and you just want to keep extending no ducks further out follow me i've also seen a a version of it to where maybe they don't use it for that, but they'll tether the duck to the kayak and drag it, essentially just drag the duck through yes. the water across the pond. And then they'll tether the duck to a branch or something across the pond. And then they get the kayak out of sight, kind of a little different. It's more, you know, I kind of call that the, the duck drag method instead of the kayak method. You're just using a kayak, but that works really well too. Uh, that leaves a scent trail out there. Yes, and and it's very good for beginners, but uh, there's pros and cons to to this. So first, let's start off with the pros, the good before the bad. It keeps the dog out in the water longer and, you know, keeps them out there swimming. They never get an opportunity to come back to the bank. Yeah. They never get a chance to do that. Yeah. Any other pros that you can think of? <laughs> what about you uh i do like the drag drag you know just the scent drag uh but the dog can become very dependent on the, yeah. the scent track being too close to the bank that's uh, a con are we moving into cons now <laughs> yeah yeah so uh yeah let's just go ahead and jump into the cons yeah so the the i had one pro for the for the kayak method the one con that i'll give is that you're you're teaching independence. Well, you're not that's teaching. The, that's you're what not you're trying teaching to teach. independence, but you're trying to get the dog to be independent. Uh, so by going out there with the dog, close to the dog in the kayak, you're you're not letting the dog be independent. Yeah, and so instead of that, I, I agree with you. Instead of the dog figuring it out slowly, baby stepping it on up. Mm -hmm. It's relying on you to convey the message. So it becomes dependent. And, I, and we've seen multiple dogs take longer to train this way because instead of them trying to problem solve it, they just, they'll give up sooner and kind of wait for you to get in the kayak and come, come swimming with them essentially. Right. Uh, 
I, you know, some people swear by this. This is a lot of people's, this is their method. And, yeah. and honestly, this it is, works. Probably, you know, it works for a lot of people. Uh, but the con we're talking about is, you know, the dogs become dependent on the kayak. Another thing, this is just a side thing for me. I don't want to have to carry a kayak out there every time <laughs> I'm going out. You know, it's yeah. sometimes I just need to run to a pond real quick and, and knock out a duck search. And I don't want to have to load up a kayak every time I go out. Right. Uh, some people don't have kayaks. You know, chapters usually somebody in a chapter has a kayak. But say you're doing it by yourself. Maybe you don't have a kayak. Um, but yeah, that's that's essentially the the kayak method as we understand it is, you know, that's that's where you're at. Anything else to add on that method? Nope. Let's move on to the next one. All right. Uh, let's do the uh, blind into search method. All right. Yeah. Go ahead and start off and cover it. So uh, Scott's a good example of this. He was talking yeah. about this a few episodes ago. His force fetch program. Uh, he goes all the way to, to doing certain distances on blind retrieves on land. And then he directly goes into correlating that with the duck search and water. And uh, so, yeah, you're just teaching your dog at the end of force fetch, just a blind retrieve. And naturally you're teaching that dog to go away with the pressure. You're driving the dog away with, with an e-collar. And you can use that in duck search and just getting your dog to go out and just stay out. You keep driving them. Uh, and eventually the dog's going to learn that the duck is out there and just keep keep going. And they're eventually going to find it. Yeah, so the the pro, I'll start with pros. Is well, I, I, I have one other thing to add on that because I've seen okay. Norm does something similar to okay. it. He adds uh, a launcher on the other other side so it's like he'll he'll train his dog to blind and then just keep going and then uh it kind of gets to the point where he's no longer wanting to push the dog out there as soon as they start to turn around and come back he'll let that launcher off and just the visualization or the sound of the duck hitting the water makes the dog go the rest of the way so it's kind of similar but obviously a little bit different well and what's great too is any of these little tricks you can take and apply it to other methods other methods so it's not like if you choose to do the kayak method, you can't use a launcher with a duck in it or even a launcher with a rock in it to or just use the e collar pressure to drive them exactly. Out. Uh, so yes. you can kind of mix and match. I mean, yeah. So give the pros to to the the blind into a search. Well, I know you want to go like pros then cons, but it's, <laughs> it's so I'm going to mention pro and con on this one, okay. and, and then go over to you. So the pro is it's a way to get the dog to go out and across the water because you're, you're giving it basically giving it, training the dog to swim across the water. I mean, to the other side of the pond, like Mm -hmm. some people use some sort of an indicator on the other side, whether it's a white bucket or black and white flag or something like that. So it's, you know, you're transitioning it to a blind retrieve. Um, and then you transition it into a search thing. So, the idea for some people is I'm training my dog to swim across this pond. Yeah. That's the pro is it gets them out there and gets them across and then they will catch duck scent on their way over yeah. and kind of veer off course and, and search it out and search it out. And that's fine. Um, the downside is ponds are different shapes and stuff. So if you're training on one pond, you know, with your chapter and then you go test somewhere else, 
and it's got a different shaped pond and it's like the one we we're at yesterday it's probably 100 yards across but it would you say it's about 100 yards across yeah something like that and it's like probably 400 yards long <laughs> and it yeah. widens out towards the other end but you know if i've trained my dog to just go across the water well there's a good chance it could make it 100 yards across without finding or scenting anything and then then what that's the con for me yeah. is like what do you do when when it gets over there so hopefully it goes into a search so two thoughts on that yeah i in the instance that i agree with you we have a duck search water with a giant peninsula coming out yep and so if you don't train the blind to go across land and keep going straight into the other body of water yeah uh that can pose an, uh, an issue depending on the launch point that the judges select on test day um uh, but like the aim said, they're gonna they're, the judges should tell you the direction that the duck is in for you to pick up duck scent. Right. And so if you are training, hey, I'm lining you up and sending you on that line, you should pick up on duck scent. Yeah. But it's test day. I mean, there's yeah anything can happen. You know, it's maybe the duck doesn't move. Maybe there's no wind. You know, it's there's a lot of what ifs. And, and that's really the only downside I see to the blind deal. But one thing I really do like about it mm-hmm. is you get through the utility test, you get that prize one. It sets you up really nicely to train for that blind retrieve on the invitational. Yeah. So <laughs> I, the the counter argument, not an, it's not even an argument. It's just a, a a point point for thought is that. I'm sitting here thinking, well, what do you do when the dog's going across the water at the invitational yeah. and and wins another, say it's a wild duck that's out there or whatever, yeah. and like gets distracted from the direction you sent it, right? I wouldn't even bring that up if that didn't happen to Norm, yeah, to where he sent his dog across and then when they were doing the, uh, the honor by blind, I think is what's called. The dog Ella like winded the ducks from down there and went down that way. Yeah. So um, I have a feeling. But how do you? I mean, why I would you? Why it. would you not want the dog to go do that? You know, why say, would you I not have, want him to go towards the duck scent? I have a feeling any of the dogs, no matter how you train the yeah. blind, if they're yeah on test day, if you're doing that. So to me, and that's, I wouldn't want to train that out of a dog, right? Like, and to I me, I want you to go to the duck scent. <laughs> to me, that's not against the method, really. It's just yeah. like it is what it is. I mean, you. It, on test day anything can freaking happen and on this stuff people will tell you the invitational involves a lot of luck i mean so many people i've talked to that have been to the invitational are like yep yeah. that test involves a lot of luck and it's not just the people that haven't passed dogs yeah. it's the ones that have passed dogs too yeah. they're like you got to be lucky too yeah so so you kind of covered your pros and cons on it um uh, to be honest with as of right now i, I really don't have a con to it uh i kind of like the thought it's one of those i i think i'm gonna try in the future but i haven't personally done yet so maybe uh check back with me later and i'll have a con on it yeah um but you know from it makes sense in my head uh to just naturally do it that way because it again it goes into what we talked about the ideal situation where you can handle your dog into an area and then and then they search it out uh so the next one the next method is is your method. 
This is how you did it. It's just, we don't have a name for it. We can call it the Adam method. Definitely uh, not the Adam method. I didn't come up with this, but it's the, the one that I use. General, I know what you mean. General force fetch into duck search. And that, that may sound very similar to what we just talked about, the blind into a search. So describe the method and how it differs from the blind into a search. So at the near the end of force fetch, you know, as I'm, I'm doing uh, different types of birds with the dog frozen, freshly killed, and then actually shoot a bird for the dog. Um, I'm, I'm using live ducks as well and teaching the dog to, you know, do a quick hold and carry with it and then put a tape duck out on land, have it retrieve it, and then go put a duck in the water and have it retrieve it. From there, I'm going to go back to like that same spot the next day or the next training session. And it just basically becomes, you know, it is a blind retrieve, right? But I'm not trying to get the dog. I'm not giving them a marker on the other side of the pond to swim to. I'm telling them fetch. And it, in my mind, I, I think what clicks with the dog is the last time I was here and my owner said fetch, there was a live duck, which I was fired up about, right? So number one, your dog's got to be fired up about ducks. If it's not, then, then you got to work on that part. Um, and they will basically, I can't say, oh, they'll just go out and search because every dog's different, right? Hmm. But plant a duck on the opposite bank or don't put a duck, you know, the only time I put a duck from like close to the sending point is for that first retrieve in water. And it's just for the sake of retrieving the duck from water. The next time they come out there, it is, you know, I'm putting the duck across the pond and I want the scent of the duck blowing towards me so that as the dog goes out, it'll catch the scent, work across the pond, uh, you know, get a few reps at that and then get to the point where the wind is at your back so that the dog actually has to swim across the pond in order to smell something on the, you know, and that's not done on the third session just by the way. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I described that really quick. Let me, those are the steps. Let me highlight that I spent, you know, all summer last year <laughs> doing duck it. search with Nick going, dude, just put some birds out for your dog. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm working on duck search. You know, I was just, I was hard headed about it. Uh, so, so clarification, you, you said, so maybe you go out there, you do it close to shore on the dog for the first step. It gets fired up over the duck. And the next time you go out there, it's going to be like, last time he told me, he got me excited. Are you doing this on the same body of water? That's what I did this time is I did it on the same body of water. Um, So not from the same send point, right? So what I did is I really played the wind and I kind of played the pond. Um, Let's just call it, I sent, I, the first time I did it on the south side so that the dog like, knows I got a duck right over here at this spot. And the next time when I went out and wanted the dog to expand its search, yeah, I sent from like the other side basically. And ideally that wind is blowing, you know, over to you. So I'm, I'm playing the wind. I want the, the scent of the duck to be blown over there. And yeah. I'm kind of banking on the fact that the ducks or the dog is going to go to the other side of the pond where it found a duck last time. And there's not going to be one there. It's going to be, you know, somewhere else where the dog will wind it. So you got to play the wind is, is what I'm getting at. All right. And so this is what you did. This is, this is what you, how you followed it. Give me your pros and then give me your cons. Was there anything that stood out to you while you were doing this that maybe 
you address next time and you try and change something. So I'll, I'll give the cons really is, okay. is when the dog comes back, uh, if I'm not going to be using a kayak, what do I, what, what do I have in my toolbox to get it back out there? So there's a few things I can do. The e-collar. The e-collar. Um, I, I use, I would keep a pocket full of rocks and <laughs> if it looked like the dog was going to come back to me, I didn't want the dog to see me throwing rocks, but I would try to throw it when the dog wasn't looking or Nick's thrown quite a few rocks for me. I would just like signal Nick, like, all right, throw it, you know, to create a splash to, to get the dog interested in something other than me. Yeah. This only works if your dog is interested in things splashing the water. Yeah. So you got to know your dog and it, it's kind of a way to like coach them towards that duck and it's the same concept of it keeps them from coming back to the bank. If if the dog did come back to the bank, I would correct him by saying no fetch and, and applying pressure with the e-collar if I needed to. Yeah. So during all this, I know this, but the listeners don't. Yeah. Every time you're training this, are you using a blank shot or gunshot at all? No, and that's I'm glad you brought that up because... I meant to mention that earlier uh, when you're reading from the aims, like the the gunshot is something that your dog, it's, it's part of the test, Yeah. but it fires a lot of dogs up. So for me, I did not do the gunshot until the test. I was doing it, finalizing it right until I went, okay, I'm really confident on my dog's ability to do duck search now. Now I'll do as a, and that's like a, a step towards steadiness for me right is okay the dog's there it it has to be steady during the shot so you're going to be steady i'm going to shoot and then i'm going to send you yeah um and i think it, you know it makes the dogs perk up i mean you're pointing out there in an area yeah you know you've already related at least for me i've already related gunfire and birds rain hard test easy if you can do this without a gunshot just adding the gunshot it's and that's it, why it should help uh 10 times i mean yeah and that's why i didn't add it until later and yeah. i've only done it with a gunshot like twice yeah just i don't know i might have done it more i don't really know how many times <laughs> but it's not been the, very the often po- the point is you Right. You primarily train, and most people primarily train with alga gunfire because just adding a gunfire for the average dog is only going to help things when you get to test day or finalizing. So was there any other cons that just going through this method that you're like, "Eh, I wish we could do this better, or I had another approach to it this way? Anything that stands out? Just with getting the dog to stay out there, you know, the solution that I said was, you know, throw rocks to make a splash or have a training help her throw rocks it's it can become problematic you know if the dog catches you throwing rocks like then the gig's up right they're like come on dude and then they might still go after the splash but now it's coming from you and again it takes away some of that independence in my mind they're like oh he's throwing rocks for me or throwing something for me to retrieve so you could very easily create a problem of like I didn't find anything. <laughs> Let throw, me look. Back throw that him. rock for me. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I make sure they that he couldn't see me. Gotcha. Throwing rocks. Right. So 
obviously, you know, it's your method, so it, we don't have to list out the specific pros that you like about it. But, you yeah. know, it's it's important that we touch on the con because every method, you know, while you're doing it, is there's room for improvement on everything. And so so with this, the pro that I have on this is it's it's kind of a more natural development of duck search. It's dog, duck, go out there, find a duck. Uh, the con that I would have, I really only have one besides your rock throwing, uh, con that you mentioned. Yep. <laughs> uh, the only con that I had is it doesn't work for every dog, which no method does, but specifically if your dog doesn't have the highest drive or cooperation to just know he said something's out here and it's not... Yep it's a little bit harder to stage up if your dog needs that little, just smaller baby step, I guess is what I would say. And that's interesting that you bring up doesn't have drive or, or maybe the cooperation because we generally think of those things as opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. So what you're talking about specifically is the drive to know, okay, it's out here somewhere. There's a duck out here somewhere. And that's kind of the theory behind it is you condition the dog to, and that's why live ducks are important in this method, because yeah. I've conditioned the dog to know there's a live duck out here. Like if he says there's a live duck, it's out here. It's yeah. just a matter of finding it. And that's where the cooperation comes in is he said it's he out said here. it. It must be right. Yeah. So, and, and so it, it, it is a good, good method for if you have a dog that just naturally has that drive and, and just trust in you. Uh, but honestly, like with, with my method, that's kind of what I started off with Rachel. The first time I was duck searching and we've talked about this on earlier episodes way back when, and that's what kind of made me change it because I was, I wasn't having the best of luck with Rachel doing that method. And I was, I, I was signed up for the utility test. I was going at that method and it just, it wasn't clicking. It's like you would right. one out of 10 times have a successful duck search and it just, it was not consistent at all. So you and had it, to do something. Yeah. It different. was frustrating the heck out of me. And so describe, describe your method and, and again, <laughs> so, it obviously works, right? Yeah. All of these methods work. Absolutely. Every method we've talked about so far has worked for somebody and every dog's different and every handler's different. So, what I did is when your method wasn't really working for, for my situation with Rachel, uh, I did not, I didn't want to go the kayak method. I tried it with her. She just kept trying to climb into the kayak with me when I would go out there and try and drive her out. I mean, it just, I could not get her off the kayak. Uh, and I did, you know, I got her started. I did not force fetch Rachel. This was my first dog. And so she wasn't trained with the blind using the force with the e-collar so i couldn't use the blind into the into the search that we talked about and then the method that you just described was not working so i was literally at a stopping point like okay this isn't working what can i do and so i i'm sure there's a name out there i i I guarantee you a better trainer than me i'm not the first one that kind of just thought this up but i just had a beer on my back deck I'm like okay let, this isn't working but she has a high retrieve drive let's turn that into duck search and so i completely left the water backtracked and we're i guess we can just babe literally baby step into a search is what i did yep and so i went back into the yard i went into the backyard and i got every single bumper 
known to man. Every shape, size, color, docking, regular plastic, whatever. And I started off close. I would just scatter, just salt and pepper in the entire yard as close to objectives that I had. You know, there's a tree in the yard. Let's go place one over there. Let's go place one over there. I did not walk them out because I didn't want her following my foot scent. I would just toss them over there close to objectives all over the place. And I started off close. I started off with the white bumpers closer so that she could see them before I sent them and the the darker and orange colors in the back. And so it was just naturally she would see the white ones go out there. And as she's picking that one up, she'd see another one out there. And I'd have 15, 20 bumpers out there. Just every time I'm sending her, she's being successful. She's finding something. She's building that trust and cooperation we were just talking about. He's saying something's out there. And that's when I changed from fetch to search. I changed to the command. And so it was just baby steps every day. I'm going out there, search. She's going out there and grabbing one. And I wouldn't do it until she got all 20 bumpers. Sure. But, you know, you do it, do it until you, you feel like it was a successful session. And then I would just build it, make it further and further and further out. And then I got to where I was putting the white bumpers in the very back and the color ones up front. So the white ones were kind of making her drive out there, but along the way she's finding these orange ones that she couldn't see. And then when that got consistent to where I was taking away bumpers and I'd only have a couple scattered out there, it was expanding the search. She knew that it's out there because I told her she's finding it, essentially doing the exact search that you want in water, but on land, that's when I go back to water. And then I started all the way back. And I didn't say this. I did bumpers, but I'm also mixing in dead ducks and stuff out there as well. And so I go to the water, do the same exact thing. White bumpers up front, colored ones scattered out through there, and just cover the pond. And she's just success, success, success. Her confidence and enthusiasm is building every single day, every single send, every single time. And then white bumpers in the back, colored ones up front. Then I start mixing in some dead ducks with the bumpers, and then I start just doing away with bumpers and adding in some live ducks tethered out there. And then right before the test, you know, it's it's just there. It's literally just baby-stepping it from yard work to a full-on duck search, and it went from me wanting to pull out of the test because she wasn't getting it to in a month and a half or so, rocked it, and consistent fours and duck search with with her and i did it did the same thing with lucy and it worked with her too and that's a common theme with all these meth you know you, you want to make sure that when you send your dog out there it has something to retrieve that's success that's the common theme throughout all these methods is that they're all convincing the dog that there's something out here and you just didn't look long enough for it yeah doesn't matter what method you're using you're just convincing the dog no, no, no. You keep looking. You're going to find it. Right. Absolutely. And so to just stick with the theme, the the pros of this, you can do it anywhere. You can do it in your backyard, your front yard, uh, depending on your yard. You know, you're, you're wanting yep. them to expand the search. You don't want them expanded into the street with traffic or whatever. But go find a field. Um, and then even on rainy days, you could do it inside the freaking house. Like, I mean, I was doing duck searches with stuff scattered throughout the house. You made it into a fun game. Yes. And then expanded it to the water. Absolutely. Uh, The cons of it is, obviously, you're 
it's a slower process. You're really, it's, it's called baby steps. You're really taking baby steps on this. And so it's the main con I see is eventually when I get to do do blind retrieves, it's going to be hard to turn that search off and get them to go in a mark, uh, in a, into a blind line. You know, that's because I'm trying to do that with Rachel now, right? Just I, I'm working blinds and I can do it in the yard. Then you get in water and, and she like, just duck immediately search. duck search. Yeah. And so it's, it's really, there's, there's no good foundation into doing that. And then, so you're going all the way back to your e-collar and doing your blind yeah. work. But that, I that think is a one solution con. for that is, is again, baby steps. Now yeah. I'm not wanting you to do a just search from the get-go in the beginning. I'm wanting you to take more of a direction and, and swim in a straight line, basically. Mm-hmm. So it starts with like very, you know, 10 feet across water, Yeah, I think, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's the way to baby step it. Yeah, and, you know, it, it really was the definition of baby steps. I took her natural urge to retrieve, but it just wasn't clicking. And so I kind of just developed this and it's worked on two dogs of mine and I've helped a few people that just could not get a duck search out of their dog and told them my method. They applied it and it worked for them. Not saying it's going to work for every dog, but I think it's a very, it's a very safe method in my opinion to where, yeah, you can probably go faster with another method, but your average dog is going to take to this method pretty well. I don't, I don't really see too big of a downside other than potentially when you need to go to that blind later on, it's going to be more challenging just because every time they've been on the water, they associate it with duck search, but you know, you're going to have that challenge with any method. Really. I think that's the challenge with any of it is, is convincing the dog to swim across a body of water now, rather than, go out and wherever your nose takes you is great you know so you've seen me do it uh what are your pros and cons with that method well i think we've we've covered a lot of the pros you can it's a it's it has a lot of baby steps so you can use it with just about any dog probably um the cons you know you've got to go put out a bunch of bumpers and then and then go pick up (laughs) those bumpers at the end so either you send the dog out that many times so as you're transitioning from land to water and you're putting 10 bumpers out in the water well are you sending the dog 10 times if not then you've got to go around and pick them up if you've got another dog with you well pick them up that's right that's what i was gonna say you got it here comes your kayak you don't like because you gotta go get them or waders or whatever when i was working with lucy it was a lot better than when i was working with rachel because yeah you have to go get them and so i was getting wet a lot just going out there and grabbing the bumper but with lucy if i had 10 bumpers out there and we did four or five then i had you know five bumpers or so with rachel just to get her exercise in and still working on it so uh it was nice having that second dog as opposed to the first time around yeah, and I, the other con, it's it's not really even a con, but just the I really like using live ducks. Um, oh yeah, everyone doesn't have the ability though to have ducks all the time. I mean, yeah. we have we have some duck suppliers here, but yeah, sometimes they run out, and it's the same thing as what we talk about when you know pigeons. Obviously, would be 
awesome for everybody to have pigeons to work on on a daily basis, but not everybody yep. has that capability. Uh, same thing with the live ducks. And, and obviously, like I said at the start of this, live ducks are the way to go. I yep. mean, it, it really is. There's there's really no downside got, to it. Though. Yeah, you you have to make do with it. And so that's that's really just what appealed to me with this, and, and it's worked. And uh, I enjoy it, you know, whatever. Uh, so what other methods are we uh, leaving out? Any, any methods left over yet? Not that I'm comfortable or familiar enough with to really even touch on. Uh, you know, there's... You know, we touched on four or five methods just now, and those are the most common ones that we've seen everybody kind of use, mix and match, uh, just because you use, like you said, every, there are certain aspects to each one of these methods you can apply to the, to the other. Uh, but I can't really think of one that stands out to me that, that really is, is worth talking about, uh, or at least to the level that I understand it or have I seen it. I can't even think of any other methods. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm and there's sh- some little things where you can, and they're all similar, right? So like the pond we trained at yesterday, we could just, every time I, we take our dogs down there, put a live duck at the far end of that thing. And I mean, it is it. a long swim. Yeah. It, it's every bit of 400 yards, I think. So if you condition your dog, to where it, every time it goes to that pond, yep. it's like, oh, I know it's over there in that spot 400 yards away. It's going to take a few minutes to swim over there. And then when there's not a duck there on test day, if it does decide to come back to you, it's <laughs> going to take a few more minutes and hopefully catch scent along the way. So that's kind of, I guess that's kind of game in the game a little bit if you condition your dog to always find a duck in that one spot because it's so yep. far away and you're just killing time on the clock. But you're not going to, you're really not going to outcycle the the judges. I mean, anything that I've come up with, I'm always like, I like to ask <laughs> as many judges as I can. What if someone does this? And they're like, yep, seen it before. Yep. We can tell that the They've dog's just all. beelined right over there and now it's coming straight back. Yeah. Um. So there's really no way to fool the test, I don't think. No, and and that, that kind of leads into, to, to wrap all this up, let's, there's some side notes that, that we should probably address. There's a couple suggestions or, or tips. Um, like you're saying, you know, you can train your dog to go to a specific spot, but all honestly, you're not going to game the judges just like you're saying. Right. But not everybody even has access to train the duck search on the specific body of water that they're going to be testing on. And to really have a good quality duck search, you need to do this on as many body of water, bodies of water that you can. Uh, duck search water is hard to come by, especially down here where we're at. You know, we only have limited options. But the more areas that you can do, the more diff- don't just go to one body of water and send from the same send off. Don't always do it with the wind in your face. Don't always do a crosswind. Change it up. Know, go to numerous different bodies of water and try it out that try way. Try to recreate as many different scenarios as you can. And, you know, I really don't want, if someone is trying to just game the game for the sake of, of passing a test, then you're you're missing the point you're of, de- of yep. doing the test. You Absolutely. Know? It's to develop a better dog. Um, and a way to do that, we talk about baby steps. You know, there's some baby steps in the method that I used as well that I kind of left out, but... I'm putting out multiple ducks. So I'm putting out a duck from the spot where it last found one and hoping that it kind of goes over to that far side, but there's going to be like ideally two other ducks out there. So 
you're taking advantage of scent. And I, I talked about playing the wind, like the wind will shift, yep. <laughs> you know, it will shift. So, uh, starting out, I want like three ducks out there so that the dog's going to have duck scent from somewhere. And then you slowly, again, baby stepping it up. So you take it down until it's just one duck, but then I still have an ace in the hole, like a live duck that I can throw out there if I need to, if something went wrong or if I need to do a resend or a dead duck. And I've, yeah. I've done that quite a few times where I just have a frozen one well, or if I, we had snapping turtles eating our ducks last year. So yep, yep, we it did. got to the point where we needed to take frozen ducks so that if our live ones got eaten, <laughs> we could, uh, we could throw some dead ones out there for the and, dog to retrieve and something. That, and that just reminded me, uh, test day, anything can happen. So you really need to get creative with the different scenarios to, to really fine tune this duck search because there's a couple of things, just like you were saying, multiple targets that comes in handy because like Lucy, she was the last in the running order last year. No dog before her found the duck, but they're still going to put a fresh duck out there. Every single dog. Right. So she went out there, found a duck, and on the way back, kicked out three ducks on the way back on the retrieve. A lot of dogs, that can really screw up a lot of dogs. Right. So Most dogs might drop the one that's in their mouth. Go after another, another one. one. Yeah. And then you get docked on the retrieve on the duck search. Uh, so you have to prepare for that scenario. Also last year, we saw somebody. She... <laughs> it was a, it was nuts. As soon as she fired the gun, the heavens just opened up and it just poured rain. Yep. It was just a downpour. And obviously she didn't train the duck search in rain. I mean, right. honestly, I never even really thought about it until I saw it happen. But as soon as she fired that gun and sent the dog... It just started pouring. And as soon as the judges finally told her to call her dog back, she got back. She was healing away from the send-off area. Stopped raining. Just I horrible mean, luck. It it was, yep. it, yeah, it's like they designed it that way. And it didn't rain at all for the rest of the day. Like, it was just sunny and clouds the rest of the day. Yep. So, uh, that obviously taught us we need to possibly go out there. And as long as it's not a thunderstorm and lightning or anything if it's raining go go do a duck search in the rain as, as yeah i mean it's why look at the weather my great grandpa used to say about fishing my dad would ask him what the weather looks like he goes i don't know either way we're going fishing so it doesn't matter <laughs> you know so yep. get out there regardless of what the weather is and and get after it because the weather's going to change the wind the rain it's all going to change absolutely so any other tidbits comments suggestions for duck search no i think that wraps it up man you got anything left no i'm sure as soon as we turn this off we'll we'll remember something or question something we said yeah, on this one. that's all right i think this episode's gonna get a lot of people fired up anyways and you know, oh yeah when you start talking about different methods and you know people fall in love with their own method and we've talked about it before like don't fall in love with your own method. Well, this, Be willing to change. This is what we're doing. You know, we're giving methods out there that maybe we don't follow, uh, don't prefer. Uh, you know, it's we've tried a little bit of all these methods, really. Um, me personally, I haven't done the blind to to search, but I've done the kayak. I've done your method. I've done mine, obviously. Uh, 
it's whatever works for you and your dog. Yep. It, it, we're not telling you one way is the right way or the wrong way. It's here's just some ideas. Hopefully you gain something out of it and maybe make make up your own method and maybe you're successful. And if, if you have another method, please write us, let us know, and we'll throw it out there as a as an addition to another episode because we're here to help everybody and our way is not the highway and you know there's a million ways to skin this cat or a million ways to search this duck thank you for listening to gdiy if you enjoy this podcast please remember to take a moment to rate review and share with a friend also be sure to follow us on facebook and instagram under gundog yourself if you really enjoy this podcast and would like to contribute even more to future content please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gundog yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just after replace it again and a year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.